Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Squared Circle Sit-Down, your podcast where every week, Drake and I, and who am I? I am Joe. We sit down to talk about everything in the world of professional wrestling. We question the decisions. We ask, why, Tony, why? And this might be the next episode in that series of asking some questions about what the hell is going on over in the land of all elite wrestling? But we're not limited to that. Again, we talk about everything in the world of professional wrestling, and we've got some exciting news tonight. So without further ado, I'm going to throw things over to Drake. But first, I want to thank you for joining us on your podcast platform of choice. That is what? Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, also available over on YouTube at Squared Circle Sit Down. You can give us a like, comment, share, subscribe. We thank you very much for that. Also, you can tweet at us over at what is squared circle SD over on the tweet machine. And yeah, Drake, what's the news? Well, uh, after some careful consideration, we've decided that we're going to be changing the format here on the squared circle sit down. Uh, we're going to be releasing two episodes a week with shorter episodes because we know that not everyone has time to listen to two guys sit and complain about wrestling for two plus hours. So, starting this week, there'll be two episodes of the sit-down every week. The first one, released on Tuesdays, will focus on the past week in wrestling. We'll discuss the shows, the matches, and the storylines. And then the second episode, each week, dropping on Thursdays, is going to deal with a topic that we'll probably be telling you guys about at the end of each Tuesday episode. And then we're just going to kind of talk about it and if anyone has any ideas that they would like to hear us talk about things they want us to go over questions to ask that's the episode where we'll be dealing with that so feel free to tweet at us shoot us a letter comment on i don't know why i said shoot us a letter write to us yeah write to us in person but you have to tweet at us first to get our yeah that's how we get you uh drop a comment on youtube just let us know So I was watching, I was watching an old episode of like, what was it? It was probably Nitro, I forget, where they were like, send in a mail order for this, and it just was on my mind. (laughs) That's perfect, and as always, everybody, cards subject to change. Alright, so, uh, what do you want to start with this week? Uh, let's, Let's start in the world of the big WWE and uh, we're we're heading into WrestleMania Backlash, a show that we we talked about a little bit last time, and it doesn't seem all that exhilarating. And so next time around, we're gonna probably have the results, and we can talk about all that. What has happened? Cough, cough. Ronda Rousey probably new champion. Cough, cough. I can't imagine. Um, what the hell is this six man tag match? Okay, we're not gonna get into it. It's still not but, for the titles, right? No, no, no. Just a six-man tag cool cool. uh that's fine but one thing to note coming out of smackdown is shinsuke nakamura is back they've acknowledged that coming out of wrestlemania it seemed like shinsuke roman was the path that was going to happen which has now just been lapped by roman and drew and then all of a sudden shinsuke's back but now he's not necessarily in a story with Roman, but kind of in a story with Roman. And then he's in a story with Sami Zayn, which is cool. Like they have tons of history, 
but then he just has a match with Sammy and he loses, which is not a great way to just bring somebody back and say, "Ooh, might be main event contender." I don't know. It's yeah. a weird one. Yeah, it's it's really weird. So I'm not I'm not too befuddled by the whole like bring Nakamura back, mention it, blow him off. Because it's one of those things where they could always be like setting seeds, and that's fine. Uh, I don't know if we have a time for how long Bugenhausen is going to be out. Sorry, Boogs is going to be out. But I wouldn't be surprised if like we're going to resolve this thing with McIntyre, give it a month or two, and then from there we'll go into Nakamura. But him losing to Sami Zayn in, uh, I wouldn't call it dirty, maybe just a little dusty of a finish, is definitely weird. Right, and and we're going off of this, and Sami Zayn, like, I'm all for elevating Sami Zayn. Dude's put in so much work in so many different ways with the conspiracy angle, working with celebrities. Yeah, he's amazing in all of the different stuff that he does. And we know he can still wrestle really great matches, so that's not a problem. So if you want to say you're elevating Sami Zayn, maybe Sami Zayn versus Ricochet for the IC title... Maybe Sami Zayn is going to turn babyface. Maybe whatever, whatever the case may be, that's cool. But this is a weird way to do it. Well, see, that's because that's the thing that I was thinking as, as you're talking is Sammy's been doing a lot of stuff that's a lot of fun and, and pretty lighthearted. And the gimmick's been, been over pretty hard lately, right? It's not crazy to consider that maybe after however long he's been doing this, it's time to turn him face. And then the easy conspiracy is, you know. The bloodline, Paul Heyman, Roman, the the whole way that the WWE is structured, and he goes from being the everyone's against me, everyone's against me, to literally voicing what the fans have been saying for the last decade of, well, yeah, of course you're the guy. They've been making you the guy forever, and it's cost everyone else their point. I could have been a main event guy here if it wasn't the Roman Reigns show for the last 10 years. Is a really easy way to turn him face. Put him against Roman and uh, obviously eventually have Roman beat him. That works. That's a thing that could happen. He could also be the guy that champions Shinsuke in a certain light. Like maybe even after that, everything that you just said of, wait a minute. Yeah, but you've also screwed this guy and Shinsuke is, this is Shinsuke Nakamura. Like hell, like let Shinsuke Nakamura have a fair chance at that championship and he'll win it. And of course he won't, but this is still that path of, building Roman Reigns to have this reign that will probably be stopped by one of a handful of people, maybe, I don't know, one day. And one of those people is a guy who also had a match this week, defending his championship over in the land of NXT, and that's Braun Breaker. And can we talk about this one for a minute? Because this was weird. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's go. So, so Braun defends his title successfully against Joe Gacy. And we've mentioned Joe Gacy before, like fellow Joe. Um, he's got an interesting gimmick or at least had an interesting gimmick. I don't know what the hell he's doing now. Now he's like a cult leader. It's strange. Uh, very strange. I, I don't know. And, and cool, whatever. You've turned NXT back into developmental, like, really hard developmental and developmental is the place to try stuff and see what works and what doesn't but this is a hard departure from the like the throwback gimmick of i'm gonna say things that sound controversial but i'm gonna say it in such a way that i'm speaking from a platform of truth and you're the ones who don't understand and i'll explain it to you and 
da, 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 stuff like that, uh, which is pretty cool. And I, I can appreciate gimmicks like that. And I think anybody who liked Joe Gacy appreciated that gimmick. And I, obviously he's not going to just walk in and beat Braun who just won the title. Like we know Braun has got a very high ceiling in this company, or at least now, but now you've got like, they're kidnapping his dad and they're carrying him out on a stretcher. Like what's going on here? Okay. I really liked the kidnapped his dad angle. I thought that was good. Taking the ring. I really enjoyed all that. And even as Joe Gacy's kind of evolved from the, uh, the mocking portrayal of a liberal leftist character for the sake of being able to hide behind the values while he does heinous things into more of, like you said, kind of a cult leader almost. I, I, I kind of enjoyed that, even though it does definitely take away some of the unique ways that they could have explored the gimmick and the character. But now, I, both, I will say I'm thoroughly confused because he has druids. Grizzled, grizzled young druids, it looks like. But also, um, <laughs> just, I, I don't know what the what the long-term goal for him is if there is one, right? Like, yeah, he wasn't going to beat Braun. That wasn't the, that was clearly not the plan. There's so much left to do in NXT, and that's fine. He's, he's definitely being given a character, and now they want to work that character to prep him eventually for whatever his spot is. Because that's also kind of hard to tell in the new NXT where anyone can kind of go anywhere at the drop of a hat now instead of having, like, mainstays or whatever. Uh, but he... It's just it's just such a weird left, like, hard left turn. So, like, is he a Scientologist now? Are they going to do kind of a more down-to-earth version of the Wyatt family? Uh, which, to be fair... The original Wyatt family was pretty down to earth. They were just really weird, which is fine. And I'm not opposed to a more modernist take on that. Although I wouldn't fault anyone for having a bad taste in their mouth with it, considering everything with, with Bray. Uh, Wyndham as, as he is now. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's compelling, even if it's weird. My biggest problem with it is that it didn't happen on the show which makes zero sense to me. They decided for some reason to have them show up and then be like, yeah, go to our, our like YouTube or digital exclusive, whatever it's called, to watch this happen. That's weird. We griped about this last time with AEW of how it sometimes you said it, it feels like uh, BTE feels like required viewing. Yep. And, you know, you have to follow everybody on social media. You have to follow all these different sources to get the full story because there's only so much TV time. And now you have WWE who has all the TV time in the world, right? Like they have so many hours to eat up. And we've heard people complain that it, it feels ridiculous sometimes just to fill all that time. And yet they're the ones who are saying like, eh, go look it up. Yeah. If you really want to know, go look it up. <laughs> and and, you know, it's kind of funny when you look at how this company does. Like you said, they have all the time in the world on TV to do things and choose not to. Because, you know, we're not going to go crazy about it tonight. But that's that's something we're going to talk about later uh, from the contrasting place. Uh, the other thing that I do want to bring up before we, like, take that swerve into Tonyville is the uh, just a quick shout out to the fantastic sit down between the two families that they had. 
with like Tony D'Angelo and uh, 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 Legado del de Fantasmo. Just, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun. Oh boy, there's so much to talk about with AEW this week. And we're going to do our goddamn best to not just make this a repeat of last week's episode. Because, well, I, I mean, I'm still convinced it's a solid gripe. And there's a lot to say. Uh, there has been, for me at least, a little bit of realization uh, that I think I'm going to start us off with, if that's okay with you. Go uh, for it. So I'm going to, uh, and I'm sorry, because it may it may give us a little less fluidity later. But one of the things I do want to talk about right now is Stu Grayson. Uh, Stu Grayson recently uh, disappeared from their website uh, and then was later confirmed to have left the company. Just Stu Grayson, not Evil Uno, not anyone else in the Dark Order. Uh, and there's been a pretty a pretty loud uproar online about it. People are upset. I'm also pretty upset because on top of, like, the Dark Order being such a, like, loved mainstay of the show uh, in, in a number of different ways, you also have a guy who people have, from the beginning, been like, put him on TV because he is very talented and they are a good tag team and they didn't really get a lot of opportunities. And even the ones where they did didn't really go anywhere. And it was really kind of unfortunate that that happened the way it did. So you had a guy who people liked, who didn't really get the push that people hoped he would have gotten or an opportunity in any way. And now he's gone. And, you know, we're, we're at that point in AEW where people's contracts are coming up and people are going to get let go. We've already seen it with Marco. We've already seen it with like Jack Evans. Uh, I'd be surprised if Angelico isn't, you know, coming up on his on the end of his contract. There's a lot of people who we won't be seeing again. And I was I was pretty upset about the Stu Grayson thing. Uh, I apologize for not being able to credit the Redditor who said this, uh, but I cannot find the comment again. But pretty much the comment that helped put a lot of it in perspective for me is this question of how much of what we look at in this show and complain about now is narrative and how much of it is nostalgia? How much is a problem that we have because it's not what it was back then? It's really hard to consider that now, looking back at a company that started in 2019, which is not that long ago, we could be nostalgic about and how that can cloud our views and our, our desires for it. But the reality is there's such a different company between now and then that that really is what's happening in a lot of instances. And I'm not saying that that's a defense for every bad decision they've made, but you look at, like, Stu Grayson, and as entertaining as he is and as great as the Dark Order is, you know, we talk all the time about AEW's roster bloat, and people online talk all the time about AEW's roster bloat. Something's got to give. And at the end of the day, I think the question is, like, with Stu, okay, I love Stu too. Who do you not have on TV for him? Matches or even a backstage segment. Someone loses TV time for him. And while we're here talking about, like, bring back Layla Hirsch, put Miro back on TV, why isn't Lance Archer featured more? We have all these things that are happening now where, okay, well, Stu Grayson or Miro, I feel like the answer's obvious for most people. Lance Archer, Miro, I feel like the answer's obvious for most people. Hangman, uh, uh, I, said, I said Lance Archer, Miro, I meant Lance Archer, Stu Grayson. Hangman, Stu Grayson, again, I think the answer's obvious. There's a lot of guys who including Hangman, who, you know, is doing dad stuff, and that's fine. But there's a lot of stuff that's happening on the TV now where we want to see people who are so much higher up on the rung than, uh, than Stu. And as heartbreaking as that is in one, in one way, because it really is kind of the cap on 
everything that has been lost getting to this point from the original show, there are there are a lot of pros and cons in both directions. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to just jump on that for a minute because it, it brings me to two things. One is the, I feel like there's a piece of, of the bloat argument that many people have brought up like the roster bloat i know for years wwe got accused of like roster bloat which you see the ramifications of that now of like all the releases and uh for <clears throat> budget cuts for aw it's not budget cuts that they're getting rid of these people it's literally like well what is the point of having you here and i'm not saying that like you don't contribute anything it's we don't have a way to let you contribute something yeah. because we only have so much time and so much space and, but I think for many people, it's the, you've, for years, you saw the comments of like, why is Big Show still with WWE? God, he's so over the hill, get rid of him. Baron Corbin, who even likes this guy, get rid of him. Like, why, why do they keep him and release somebody else? And it's that, that thing of, well, I, if I were in charge of the roster and I needed to cut somebody because of a bloated roster, I definitely wouldn't cut Stu Grayson. I would cut person x or y or z or whatever instead and maybe that even is a miro or a lance archer or even a hangman page depending upon where your allegiances lie with your fandom okay but you're not tony khan you're not the person in charge of this you're not the booker you're not creative you're not you don't know these people like that probably and that's a thing that you have to take into account and for the nostalgia point yeah you can be nostalgic over something that's not that old you know, it's fairly recent and maybe your attachment to that is like nostalgia for something else too. And that, that's fine. But a big part of it is, and we can jump into so many other things because I don't necessarily see this, this as a bad thing because this wasn't like a bridge burned. This wasn't like Stu Grayson saying, screw AW, they're toxic. I want no part of them. This wasn't AW going like, screw Stu Grayson. He's toxic. We need him out of the locker room. This is a guy who wants to work and was not getting all the opportunities. And they turned and said, Hey, look, like it's going to be what it's going to be right now. And I think this was fair. I don't love it, but I think it was fair. Yeah. Agreed. I think, I think I read that what it boiled down to ultimately was what they couldn't come to terms with what a new contract would look like, which is not surprising, but completely understandable. And, AEW brings in free agents all the time. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, and this could always be a thing of he goes, he runs an indie circuit, he takes bookings, he does whatever he's going to do. And later they're like, well, you know what? We're going to heat up the Dark Order and we're going to do a big series of matches. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, like the Dark Order is getting overwhelmed. Oh my God, what's this? It's Stu Grayson, he's back. Mm -hmm. And it could be a huge moment Uh you know, six months, a year from now, whatever this, again, this is why I'm like, it's not purely a negative thing of like, this isn't Stu Grayson will never be back in AEW ring. This is Stu Grayson is not coming back right now because there's no room in the AEW ring for him. And I, you know, I don't know where you want to go from here because there's so many places to go and this feels fairly negative. And I know we have positive things to say about this week in AEW too. And there's a lot of exciting things coming up for AW. Obviously, we talked about them last time. We've got two big pay-per-views coming on the horizon. And that's awesome. So for that, we've got two tournaments also set up. If you want to talk about those, where do you want to go from here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I definitely think there's a lot more that we have to discuss this episode 
when it comes to the Dark Order and uh, some of the stuff surrounding that and, and Hangman, which is going to be a big topic later tonight. But for now, I think maybe we should we should turn our attention to the Owen Hart uh, Cup tournament. It's the Owen Hart Cup, right? Is that what they're calling it? It's the Owen Hart Cups. Two of them. Yes, yes. Uh, I, let's let's talk about it. There's so much to, to think about now that we have these brackets. And, of course, they include Tony's absolute favoritest, favoritest thing in the world. Jokers? Jokers! Jokers! We have one in each. We have one set up to face Samoa Joe in the men's tournament, and we have one set up to face Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, in the women's tournament. So... Yeah, if you want to speculate on that, if you want to run down the whole bracket, we can do it either way. I think we'll get to both. Yeah, what but, do you want to start um, with? Which one? Oh, well, we also had the, the last qualifiers, too. Oh, yeah. Of yep. people getting in, and we had those matches, both for men and women. We had um, Riho defeating Yuka Sakazaki, right? Hopefully I got that name you completely did. right. Yeah, and the cool thing with Yuka, and I'm just going to mention it real quick. We're not going to spend time on that. But uh, one thing I really love about Yuka is her energy is so great that she's probably the only person besides Minoru Suzuki who can spend all this time away from AEW, not be someone that, like, casual fans know very well, still gets a powerful reaction whenever she comes. I, I love awesome. her to death. Yeah, same. She's awesome. I've said this about, like, somebody like Kyrie Zane for years of, like, she comes in and I'm like, we do not deserve her. Yes. We do not. <laughs> but you have Riho defeats her. Makes sense. Uh, earns her spot in the tournament. I don't know how far she goes, but that's pretty cool. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. And then for the men's, we have the... Uh, <laughs> I called this match illegal. It's, it's because a fair they, one, yeah. It was a crime against gravity. Of <laughs> Phoenix defeats Dante Martin in a match where... I... <laughs> They were in the air more than they were on the ground. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. They, I'm really excited. Uh, well, I'm really glad that they have such good chemistry together because it could easily be one of those things where, you know, we've seen it over the years where you have two guys who are just a little too fast for each other, and so they're, they're never getting the tempo right. But, man, from bell to bell, they knew exactly what they wanted to do, where they wanted to go, and they made it work. There was, there was like, one or two small slip-ups, which is kind of expected when you get matches like these. And without throwing any real shade, AEW does enough matches like these that it's not really outside of, of the reasonable level of mistakes in a match but like this. But, man, they they did their thing, and it was awesome. That that spot, I mean, the obvious one, right, where they, they do the, full, the Spanish fly, arm wrench, off of the top rope and then they both yeah. stick the landing and he still got him by the what a cool spot i it, i said illegal i'm sticking with it like yeah. come on man that that's unfair it's unfair to everything but no they've earned it they've 100 earned it think about how much more incredible that match is going to be in like three years yeah yeah oh, dante man. martin and i i hate that this comes at the expense of his brother and top flight yeah uh, you know, who unfortunately is out injured again, but man, he has just been a revelation of what he can do as a singles guy, what he is capable of. I, I don't know if this is going to be, well, we're just going to hold off until, you know, he's all right. 
he's going to wait for his brother and then top flight go after the tag titles or it, it seems like Scorpio Sky is turning babyface. So, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily seem like he would go after the TNT title, although they do babyface babyface matches. So, yeah, for that title especially. Yeah, so that could happen, but I don't think he necessarily wins it. So I think his ceiling, again, we're talking about roster bloat, right? Like, I think his ceiling is pretty low right now. But yeah, what you said, three years from now, right? Like, if they want to invest in him and look at him as like, hey, three years from now, the four pillars are going to be the main eventers of this company. We need more pillars. Dante Martin, come on. Yeah, 100%. Easy pick. Yeah, agreed. But Phoenix is the one that makes it into the Owen, so bringing us back to that. Well, because, you know, Phoenix Phoenix is ready right now, right? He's been cooking since he was a wee Lucha lad. Yeah, but his look at his round one match, though, of Kyle O'Reilly. Like, and that that's a match that could be match of the tournament right there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, potentially. Like, you seem sour on this. Why do you seem sour on this? I Look, I said it last week, and I meant it. I meant it with every fiber of my being. I will be a happy man when the Undisputed Era is not on my TV anymore. I oh, have, that's fair. I've been, seriously, I love all of these guys. Love Kyle O'Reilly, love Bobby Fish, love Adam Cole, love Roddy Strong. By the way, hashtag free Roddy. Um, but, like, I I can't do more Undisputed Era. I can't do it. It was done. It was done a year or two years before they they broke them up in NXT just to bring them back, put them together here, and literally spin their wheels until maybe we get the trios titles, or God forbid, next year when Kenny Omega comes back. I don't want them. But that said, uh, Phoenix Kyle yeah, yeah. Rally is going to be a great match. Hold that thought on the spinning the wheels thing, because we'll get to that. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, because uh, we got to talk about some other stuff. Yeah. But for the Owen, right? Okay, so we have the round one matches of, as I just said, we'll start with the men's, I guess, of Phoenix and Kyle O'Reilly in the same bracket. They play the winner. Winner of that plays the winner of Joe and the Joker. We'll come back to that in a minute. On the other side, we've got Darby and Jeff Hardy. That's That's got to be... So, so for me, first off, all these matches are stacked, right? Yeah. Um, also, Jeff qualified this week too, beating Bobby Fish. Right. So. Yes. In what is probably the least surprising result, but uh, <laughs> we can we yeah, can talk about the two of you. No, that's but, totally fine. I don't really have much to say about that match. So, okay. So, uh, but I'm not sure if I'm more excited for. Jeff Hardy, Darby Allen, or or if I'm more excited for to be a little bit of a hypocrite, Dax versus Adam Cole. Yeah, the, right? the, Dax and Cole is the one that worries me. Like the way that you uh-huh. reacted to Phoenix and O'Reilly is the way that I'm reacting to Cole and Dax, because everything in me says this is the match where Cole just wins, and I, I still think that's probably what happens. But the story is there for Dax, like. As you said, like with the spinning the wheels thing, like Cole and Undisputed Era are just waiting to split up with the Young Bucks and everything. Like they're just waiting for that to happen. Dax is waiting for like he and FTR to have this next great feud, these next great moments, more great matches. And he and Cole is probably going to be a great match, but does he just lose? I think so. I, I don't think there's any way we don't get Darby Cole in, in round two, right? 
it seems that way right yeah i i almost hate this bracket because i just want to switch a couple of people around and just have people win round one and uh, dax is one of them dax is one of those guys like i'm totally cool with dax losing a semi-final match but a quarterfinal match like yeah yeah i mean the, that's that's the problem is we've spent literal months hyping up the tournament and bonding ftr to this tournament and making those connections on screen off screen on twitter the indies literally everywhere we've been working on making this something relevant and now it feels like they're they're just throwing it away for adam cole who i'm sorry but like even with it's hard to separate so maybe this is this is a false statement but i feel like even removing my my complete dunnedness with the undisputed era adam cole has been on my tv way too much lately especially considering the way that they've been using other talent that's fair that's fair and so i i think the other part of this goes into who's the joker because that matters that matters a lot here because normally when the joker comes into a match like this uh well one-on-one anyway it's usually the oh surprise person wins Mm -hmm. so that means they're going over Samoa Joe which is fine like you could see with the whole situation going on with Joe feuding with um Jay Lethal and company that maybe he gets attacked beforehand maybe he gets screwed over it's not 100% Samoa Joe whatever the case may be okay I can get that especially if the Joker is a heel but then that does go back to the question of Who's the Joker? So, top three. If you had three picks for who you think the Joker would is most likely to be, who would you pick? Most likely to be? Okay, yeah. so I would say it's... It's bad because I can think of four names. Um, okay, top I'll, four. Fine, fine. Top okay, four. Okay, cool. Now, I'll, I'll, the fourth one is last because I think it's the troll move. Okay. And I, I mentioned this to you already. But um, I think it's... Two of them are debuts and one is a return. Okay. It would be uh, Johnny Gargano, Cesaro, um, Miro, and that would be the return. And the fourth one, which is like the troll move, is Sammy Guevara. <laughs> oh, man, the colossal heat it would pull. Well, because think about it. If you want to book it in advance, Sammy beats Joe by cheating or whatever or interference. Uh, Phoenix wins over Kyle. Sammy beats Phoenix. And then you have Darby coming out of the other bracket and you have Sammy and Darby in finals. Yeah, I mean, it could it could definitely happen. I, I think that the problem that most people would have with it beyond fucking Sammy Guevara again would also be AEW tries to at least pretend to present itself with some kind of logic with how it books these things. And it's like, Sammy's been around this whole time. He's been in the thing with Scorpio Sky. He was just the champion. He just lost the title. Why would he possibly be this the guy in that spot, right? That's why I said it was the troll move. It is. It's definitely the troll move. Of the other three, it's, it's literally the three people I had in mind as well. Uh, I think I am going to say that the two I would be willing to bet money on are Miro and Cesaro. Cesaro, like, just updated his Twitter it's almost time, and, like, he's an easy pick to, like, come in, have the match with Joe. They've had, like, a thousand matches before. It very much hits the, like, PWG nerve uh, that people really want to see get, like, some more love. And 
you still could have that match go either way, right? Because if we assume Ray Phoenix wins, then you've got Phoenix versus Joe or Phoenix versus Cesaro. Either way feels really good. Cesaro potentially joining up with um, uh, Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal also feels pretty good. Uh, so you could go that route with it as well. There's a lot of different ways we can go here. Different Quick question for it, though. Of Is there any chance it's someone from New Japan? Hmm. If it's someone from New Japan, then I feel like everything on that side of the bracket changes, right? Yeah, it feels like that person makes finals, right? I was going to say the opposite. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I'm saying, well, I, I guess it also depends upon who it is. I'm thinking maybe bigger than you are. Probably. I mean, New Japan has a bad record in AEW. If you look at their, they like, do. their overall, which is totally reasonable because you don't want to like have a guy come in and up until now with, with like Forbidden Door, everything has been a, all right, we're going to do this one thing and we'll see what happens next. So, of course, they have a bad record because you don't want to like bring a New Japan guy in, have them beat one of your like actual talent and then have them leave and be like, all right, I think we're done with this working relationship. Great. Now my guy just looks weak on my show and your guy fucks off to, to Japan again. So that may not be true anymore. Yeah, I, I again, it just depends upon who it is, I think, right? Of like, you're, uh, if it's somebody like Minoru Suzuki, he comes in and he loses. I, I get that. That's fine. Because that's what's happened already. Uh, obviously, if it's somebody like Okada, but I don't think Okada's doing something like this. Uh, you know, he comes in, he wins the whole damn tournament. Mm. Okay, I understand that. It would some, be somebody in the middle of those two spots, and I don't know who that would be. It's also another one of those things of like, why would you not announce this person ahead of time? whatever just spitballing like because this again is one of those things they didn't say specifically this is somebody who is brand new to aw they didn't say okay this is somebody who's returning they've just said it's a joker and you know i'm excited to see that is not one of the first matches up so we're gonna have to wait um but similarly on the other side the women's side but also have a joker so if you want to run down those brackets yeah, let's do it. So you we know, know we've got yeah. finally <laughs> after after a tag match and another week with a backstage segment, we get to Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Finally, um, in the same bracket, they'll face the winner of Britt Baker and the Joker. So the potential Jamie Hayter Britt Baker match, which I don't think we get, is in that bracket. Uh, on the other side, we've got Riho against Ruby and Red Velvet against Sheeta. So it could be very Japan-heavy on that side. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the easiest. I, I think both are pretty easy to call, but I think the Women's Owen Hearts Cup uh, Memorial Tournament, whatever you want to call it, is the easiest like tournament to call in a while. I agree completely. The only thing the Joker is, is the, the only Joker. like question. Yeah. yeah. If, if the Joker comes in and it's somebody that is, you know, Jeez. Oh, it, it has to be this Ooh. person. Ooh. Then it's that person. But I don't know who that would be. Yeah. I can't imagine who would come in. Like, even if you bring in someone like, I, I don't know, uh, uh, Azumi, Starlight Kid, Mayu Iwatani. Like, I, I, and I understand I'm hitting like deep cuts for casual fans, but a lot of people who watch like, like stardom and stuff will know what I'm talking about. Even then, the casual fans won't know who these people are, no matter how talented they are. It's hard to get them over. Maybe we get, like, a Maki Ito. That could be a thing. The best they do is lose in finals. Yeah, yeah. And even then, I just don't think that happens. 
I don't think it's possible for them to lose in finals. Yeah, so I don't know what you would do in that situation. Like, I think it's uh, pretty much a lock that Tony defeats Jamie. Okay, I, you know, I think it's probably again unless it's like a really big name baker could win and then lose to tony storm sure yeah well well that's almost possible that's almost what i'm expecting is it'll be either like maybe maybe tegan knox will come in or uh athena formerly ember moon uh or like I, i i honestly don't know who else they would bring in i am loath to think of them bringing in another woman who could potentially be a full timer for them because you know, we're very vocal about this. They don't give the women they have enough time. So, and I, given, I don't want... Oh, go ahead. Given the spot and everything, I don't think this is going to be like a Deanna Perazzo or something like that. No. You know, uh, having just main evented, losing to uh, Mercedes in the main event of Dynamite. Good uh, match. Good match. Good, good match, but like, I don't think it should have been the main event of Dynamite as Agreed. much as I love giving women the main event of Dynamite. Um, it's weird to have the ROH title <laughs> main eventing dynamite. And I think the fans felt that way too. I'm off topic. <laughs> That's okay. I real quick, we can we can get we can hit out that for like a minute or two. Um I'm not as like confused by it or weirded out by it or against it as maybe you are and some of the fans are. AEW has always kind of had a storied history of trying to elevate other promotions and uh, except on their programming, <laughs> they just trash impact on their on their show, which we can talk about in another episode. Episode, but they they really try to like make any championship on their show that's not theirs feel special. They've done a really good job of that so far. So I'm not inherently opposed to it. And to be fair, it is technically one of their titles now. True, true. But this goes back to the bloat thing of, yeah. you know, you have all these people who are not on your shows all the time, and then who's main eventing? Oh, okay, it's somebody who is not really... They're having their first match in the company for a championship that has never really been represented in the company before. And Nana never been on Dynamite before? I don't believe so, no. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, I think you're right. Crazy. The NWA World Women's Championship has multiple times. Yes. But I don't think the ROH one ever has been. Yeah, you're right. But so I think that's why it's it's hard for people to uh, maybe if you just follow AEW to necessarily get invested in these types of things. But uh, I also think that probably took Deanna out of the running. She is a name that I would have brought up as a possibility. Yeah. But I don't think so anymore. I think I think the easy way to break this down is like Tony beats Jamie, Britt beats the Joker, Tony beats Britt, hits the finals, and then on the other side you have Ruby go over Riho, uh, which I feel like is a foregone conclusion, kind of. Uh, and then you have Red Velvet over Sheeta. Whether or not it's going to be clean, I don't know. But that sets up for probably Red Velvet beating Ruby Soho through questionable methods with like Jade Cargill and stuff. Which gives us the like Ruby Jade feud, maybe. And because Jade needs someone, she can't just keep smushing people anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. She's too far into her title reign for that, I feel like. And that gives us like Tony Velvet for the finals. Alternatively, like Ruby does beat Red Velvet, which can still get us the feud. And then we get Ruby, Ruby Tony. Uh, but I am worried about the amount of people who will be like, ah, the WWE finals. 
True. I was also thinking maybe we get somebody, you know, Riho or Shida makes finals, but I don't think Riho just beats Ruby. So I, I don't think that happens. But I do also think that the people coming out of that side of the bracket are the ones that are going to feud with Jade Cargill going forward. And I just think it makes way too much sense of they all feuded with Baker. They're all baby faces. They're all people like they're not going to go chase Thunder Rosa right now. So it just seems to make sense. Those are all pretty fresh matches, too. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for for the women, we can both agree that it's it's almost definitely going to be Tony. Yeah, if I had to pick right now, not knowing who the Joker is, I'd yes, pick yeah. Tony Storm. If I, for the men's, if I had to pick right now, not knowing who the Joker is, I'd pick Darby Allen. Same. Yeah, I think I think they're both pretty much a lock. Uh, although, barring the Joker, I'm pretty excited for potentially like Darby Phoenix. I think that's going to be wild. Talk about that fresh dude. matches, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I think lots of them from that because like Darby, I don't think his face. Obviously, we don't know who the Joker is. But he really hasn't phased anybody from that side of the bracket, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and I think he could put on damn good matches with all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would be afraid that Joe would actually kill him. <laughs> I would be more afraid that Darby will kill himself selling for Joe. But yes, God yes. damn, that's the match I want to see. Yeah. Oof. I don't think you're going to get it, though. There was a lot of dumb stuff on AEW this week. Oh, and- agreed. I, I need to vent for a minute because I know there's one in particular that grinds your gears and here's one that grinds mine. Let's and that is Santana versus Chris Jericho. And I think that like, we talked last time about intensity and the intensity of all this stuff. And you said, and I agreed with you completely that this is the feud, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, they understand intensity. And I agree. Like I agreed Totally. But man, this week, so you have a match where it's Santana versus Jericho. Santana's out first with Ortiz. Uh, Kingston is nowhere to be found because, you know, he got a fireball to the face because that's how hot this feud is. And then the entire, like, Jericho Appreciation Society comes out, still with, like, the most awesome entrance right now, which is just love it, love it to death. I love it so much. The little things, right? The details, the attention to details kill him with the details and he comes out and before the bell as he's coming down the ramp santana's like no this is on site and just dives through the ropes takes out jericho in front of the entire jericho appreciation appreciation society which is five people strong and the only other person they're backing up santana is ortiz and nobody touches anybody the bell has not rung Santana and Jericho brawl around the outside of the ring for like five minutes, probably less, but feels like five minutes, battering each other pillar to post, all that stuff. They finally get back in the ring. The bell rings. Somebody from the Jericho Appreciation Society tries to interfere. I'm like, y'all had, you know how these matches work. You had the numbers advantage. Your heels. What are you doing? Right? I understand. Ortiz and Santana are threatening individuals. I get that. I believe they are tough guys who would kick some ass because they do. But you're telling me like the four of you are afraid of them? Like the four of you couldn't take one guy. I, I think that's nuts. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's one of those things where 
even if you wanted to sort of stretch it and be like, well, yeah, the chicken shits, that's kind of their whole thing, except for Daniel Garcia, except now he also is, right? Um, they're, they're sports entertainers. They don't want to get in these fights. They don't want to scrap, even if it's four against one. They have to get the jump on you in order to fight. Otherwise, they're not fighting. And it's a really weak argument. <laughs> Especially for a show that has gone out of its way in the past to do such a good job with stuff like this uh, up until recently. Uh, so it's it's pretty frustrating. Though I will say, many, many props to Chris Jericho for now being the wizard. <laughs> out of nowhere, right? <laughs> like, he cuts a promo on, on Rampage last week. And now he's the wizard. Okay. Fuck it. That's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's what got to me. But I know somebody else got to you. And you mentioned her last week. But, oh, man, this week. This week. Uh, no after, bueno. Uh, so back in December. I'm going to set the scene. And I promise I'll keep it short. Back in December. Not long after the debut. of Malachi Black, formerly Alistair formerly Tommy fucking End, into the company of AEW, he begins to show signs of a strange corruption spreading from his eye. I can't do this. I can't put this much energy into it because I'm just so upset. Julia Hart got sprayed in the face in December, Joe, in December. Now it is May. It is May. And we have had one relevant segment about it which was this past week where finally after last week on rampage they finally are like we're in kayfabe <laughs> we're like we're fucking done with this storyline get out here so we can deal with this next wednesday so then wednesday comes they come out and are like all right it's wednesday dark order we're gonna fuck you up what's up and the dark order Spends like five minutes coming to the ring because they have to make this wait as long as they possibly fucking can. Beat the hell out of the Varsity Blondes because of course they do. Everything is set and everything is primed and we're finally getting our payoff. And they give her the chair and she's like, I don't know. And you know what? That's fine. That's not even the problem I have. I'm cool with that. But then they rip off the iPads to reveal Nothing. We don't get the reveal yet because she covers her face and then Death Triangle shows up and runs them out of the ring. But not Julia. Julia stays in the ring. But that also doesn't do anything. It means literally nothing because at the end of it, we don't even get to see what's under the eye patch. It's not compelling at this point. If they did the WWE thing of next week, just pretending it didn't exist, have her come out all hunky fucking dory, I would be so, so happy. I'm okay. But I had to get that out because Jesus Christ. I'm over here corpsing because, man, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The thing that got me is it feels like, because you said December for for Malachi and then a little bit. Well, for Julia. December was Julia. Yeah, yeah, th- that's what I meant. Oh, that's okay. what I meant. And then, and then we had uh, after that, we had the whole uh, formation of the full House of Black with the uh, with Matthews coming in and joining. So, okay, it blew my mind that we're sitting here in May, and the House of Black as a trio is a whopping three and zero. 
Wait, no, three, no, they've had trios three. titles. You know how many matches the the uh, the BCC has had? Oh no, in, I, I don't. Please, it, but in like the last three weeks, they're three and zero. This other trio of great wrestlers, amazing wrestlers, people like Dante Martin and Phoenix, who you put in the ring every week because people want to see them wrestle. Three and zero in like months like i'll say four months i'll give them four months right what you're crazy you're crazy and yeah this julia hart non-reveal you know it's the details right it's the exact opposite of the chris jericho thing the little details this isn't they have not been showing you anything besides the change in her behavior and then you put such emphasis on like the mist the eye and it hasn't even been a thing of like oh, well, you know, first it was just the eye patch and then it was like, you see like a little dark mark coming out from under it or it just keeps getting bigger and more pronounced. And as it does, she keeps changing or whatever the case may be. It's just, okay, it's fine. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there isn't, but we're still not going to show you. It feels like they took the, the, eye, uh, the eye patch off and it was like, oh, wait, we forgot to do the makeup. Cover it up. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, by we'll the way, next week. by the way, I do this every week, and I will continue to do it every week until it changes. So this is the uh, segment for the night. This is Drake's. This should have been a women's match segment. It's it's more. It's this thing where I I struggle to even think of what the like process is. Right, what the thought behind this has been. So maybe. I don't know, they started it, and then it's like, okay, the Varsity Blondes are not nearly as polished as we thought they would be or hoped they would be. Great, so we can delay it a little bit. And then we start the Death Triangle thing. We're going to bring it all together, because clearly they all want to be involved with it. Um, and then Phoenix gets hurt, and it's like, okay, fine. So we have to delay that a little bit. But at that point, like, you just pull the trigger anyway. There's no way that this plot is going to resolve in a way where every single one of the people outside of House of Black and Julia herself are like, integral parts of this plot. There's zero reason I can think of why they have to do this this way, and because there were delays, we just have to not do anything for half a year. Like, just just do it and be done with it. You have... AEW... We've said this a lot in the past. Sorry, I will, I will settle down. We've said a lot in the past that AEW, uh, what they do best... I'm going to change this, and unfortunately, I think this is what I'm going to do from now on. What AEW did best was their carefully, steady-handed, long-term storytelling. It's just not true anymore. And I don't know if this is an example of them getting too far up their own ass about it, uh, uh, if you'll pardon my language. I won't apologize for all the other curses, but I'll apologize for this. If you'll pardon my language about it. Yeah, I don't know if this is an issue where they're like, huffing their own glue or whatnot, but we're in a place where, like, I can't understand why they're they're trying to do this the way they're trying to do it. And it's, it's it feels not... Like, it feels like they forgot, right? Yeah. It feels like it's the, okay, wait, I have to book two tournaments, two pay-per-views, handle a New Japan relationship, handle the acquisition of Ring of Honor. 150-person roster. 
yeah, I have to do all of these things and make sure, okay, all the champions got to be on TV every so often. They have to have matches. What are the pay-per-view matches? This isn't going to be a pay-per-view match. Slips my mind. Oh, wait, right. They exist. I have to do something. Yeah, where do I fit this? What was the last thing we did? Okay, well, just we'll do this right now because we don't have time for a 20-minute segment. We can do a five-minute segment and then uh, uh, just just send them out there. Go. Mm -hmm. Go do something. Don't don't resolve anything yet, but go do something. You guys get 15 minutes. Kill it. That's what it feels like. It does, and it's, it's awful. Uh, and I hope that it is not going to continue down the line. With that said, um, there is there is something positive I'll throw out to sort of move us away from this, which is Willa Yuta. Willa Yuta. Oh, yes. Their super, new star. Yeah, yeah, super best of, best of Super Juniors. Breakout star of 2022 so far. Hell yeah. And that easily. And yep, in the Super Juniors. And this has automatically made me 100% more invested in the Super Juniors because it has one person that I absolutely 100,000% want to see how this goes. Hell yeah. I, I would be very disappointed if he doesn't do like a bang on performance. I think he's going to do really well. So Best Super Junior starts on the May 15th and is going to go until June 3rd. So he's facing B-Block. Here we go. So we've got uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion Master Watto. That's a thing that happened. Good for him. Uh, Robbie Eagles. Uh, Titan, who I'm really excited to see back. He's great. If you haven't seen him before, fantastic. Keep an eye out. He's going to do some cool shit. Uh, Bushi, of course. El Desperado, who has been on fire. Doki, who exists. <laughs> El Lindemann, which makes sense because of Shima. Yuda, uh, TJP, and El Fantasmo. It's a stacked block. Wow. Yeah, that's a damn stacked block. Yeah. I don't know who wins that block. I don't think it's Yuda, but I don't know who wins that block. There's, I don't there's know, man. Choices. I'm just going to throw out one thing. This is before the Forbidden Door uh crossover pay-per-view and yeah. wouldn't it be a hell of a thing to see wheeler yuda bringing that best of the super juniors win right into that oh love it love it love it i don't think it's gonna happen either but no man wouldn't it be a hell of a thing mm-hmm. man there are some people in a block who I'd, i'm gonna go through a block real quick just so we have it uh because it's it's also really strong so you've got Taguchi. he and he and wado are the tag team champions right now so they've been separated so Taguchi, yo Clark Connors, uh, sure. Hiromu Takahashi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, uh, Ace Austin. That's that's an exciting one. So excited. Who's also, by the way, after Under Siege, the X Division champion. Alex Zane. Friend, oh, man. Francesco Akira. Okay. New debut for them. He's part of uh, United Empire. Keep an eye on him. He's very, very awesome. Uh, Taiji Shimori and Sho. So you Sho and Yo are both in the same block. That's cool. Uh, we'll get another one of those matches. Uh, I am excited to see Akira face all of these people, except for Clark Connors, who I, I don't know. I just can't get, get excited for. But man, these, these blocks look really good. And Yuta has every opportunity to just like put on some amazing, hard-hitting, technical, fast-paced matches. And, and, also, he gets to fight a karate man. So, <laughs> <laughs> something to look forward to there. Yeah. So, moving moving back to to AEW again. Anything else positive that you're excited for that happened this past week? I have 
two things and i think they both tie into where we're gonna go from here right. because like i have positives and negatives to say about the, both of them so and and one is a much bigger topic than the other one so i'll get to the this unfortunately the one that has less steam behind it right now and that is we have pretty much confirmation of the next women's match uh for the championship and that's serena d versus thunder rosa and i am so looking forward to that match because i love serena d she has been amazing in the ring her all of her matches with cheetah just love them i could gush about them for a while she is somebody who it's like could have been a women's match why not a serena d match and that's awesome i think the two of them are going to tear the house down it's a great defense for Thunder Rosa because I can't imagine Deep winning the title here but I mean hell you never know but um in the ring not on the mic please and his they it, it felt like they just went out there and got really rambly and mm-hmm. didn't exactly know how to play off of each other and didn't know exactly what they wanted to say it was very like two people sit down and do their first podcast together and don't exactly know how to play off one another yeah yep so lots of editing afterward, but they didn't get that because they were live with live mics in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe next time backstage, you, we know they can do the backstage segments with women in AEW because they've done 19,000 of them with Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. So why not with Thunder Rosa and Serena Deep? I get it. Put them in front of a live crowd. That's cool. Put the champ out there. That's cool. This is what backstage segments were made for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't think anybody looks at either one of them and says, yes, strongest promo game in the business. And they're fine, but together it was just Rough. fine at best. And I would not be surprised if somebody said much worse than fine. Yep, nail on the head. Uh, this is what backstage segments are for. Even if you wanted to do another Tony Schwani interview with them, that would have been great. Uh, the match is going to be fire. I am very yes. excited for the match. Uh, man, our our Double or Nothing uh, episode is going to be intense, if nothing else. Uh, but, yeah, please, just find ways to play to their strengths. They have them. Deeb had some great video packages. So has Thunder Rosa. Use those to build this story, because they're just not in a place where they can play off each other properly on the microphone. And Deeb and Rosa are also people who, like, you can do a really powerful backstage segment without saying much. Yeah. You know, and being understated sometimes, for especially for somebody like Serena Deeb, and Rosa could just have, like, that fiery temper of, like, getting set off, but Deeb isn't there anymore responding. So it's just let her go off of just, like, I want to get my hands on you in the ring. Like, I respect you, but I want to beat you. And Deeb just being like, yeah, but I'm going to beat you. So that's it. Yeah. You also you also have, like, the really, like, classic, uh, uh, like, put Rosa in a match, have her do, like, an exhibition with someone who doesn't get a lot of screen time, put on a fire match, do her thing, have Deeb come out to, like, the ramp, have Rosa do the traditional, like, hold the title up because I'm the champion. Jaw Jack, Jaw Jack, Jaw Jack. Deeb just kind of looks at her. And leaves. And it's perfect. It's the perfect situation for that. Yeah. And like, again, I'm looking forward to that match. As I'm looking forward to the men's world championship match, we have an interesting development here where this feud, if you want to call it a feud to this match, is 
really just been carried by uh, CM Punk. It's been all about Punk overcoming MJF. Punk is now ahead of MJF in the rankings. Punk has made it all the way to the top. Punk is the number one contender. Punk says, I'm coming for that championship. It finally gets acknowledged by Hangman, who comes back. Understandably, he has you know life and family to take care of. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Comes back and does exactly what you just said for the Thunder Rosa Serena team thing of comes out says oh you want a shot at the championship cool holds up the championship awesome no problems there until this week where we get a uh, different worrying yeah worrying is a good word for it promo from hangman where okay I'm fine with like two-thirds, three-fourths, five-eighths, whatever you want to call it, like seven-eighths of this promo. But then uh, he crossed a line. Yeah, I have I have a bit of a take on this. So I, I'm going to, I'm gonna just going to like fall back for a moment if there's anything you want to like say about it. Because I, I, I acknowledge that there's going to come a point where I just like go off. So please, if whatever you got to say. I, I know what's gonna what's gonna happen when I start. I, okay, I I usually am a little more like, all right, this is a thing. I understand why it's a thing. Da, 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 all that stuff, right? Okay, this is something I don't necessarily like, and I don't like it for a few very specific reasons. Uh, reason one, you're coming into this with Hangman as a white meat baby face, and Punk is. I don't want to say he's a white meat baby face, but he's certainly a baby face and he's a fan favorite. And we've talked about like hangman and whether or not he's still connecting at the level that he's connecting at and all that stuff. Like, do you pull the trigger, put the title on punk because punk is the guy that's putting butts in the seats right now. Clearly. All right, cool. I, I get all that. You can tell a story of hangman being pissed off you can tell a story of Hangman feeling disrespected as champion. Hell, that's the story that CM Punk told in WWE for a period of time. And I think there's merit to that. But it just feels so... I, I don't even know how to phrase this properly. It, it feels so, like, wishy-washy of, like, you are... You have been telling a story up into a certain point... And this feels like you just swerved and needed to take an exit ramp. And so you did immediately. And I'm in the car going for the ride with you. And I'm like, oh, whoa, do I have a concussion now? Because my head just hit the window. And for things like that and, and looking at this, like, all right, cool. Maybe this is a very deliberate plan. Maybe this is a very deliberate play. I like letting stories play out, seeing where they go. Week one is not always indicative of how good or bad something is going to be fair give you the benefit of the doubt but for everything that we've seen in terms of them skewing more toward i I don't even want to say faster payoffs but like it seems almost like they don't exactly know all the story beats and when they're going to happen anymore this is worrying this is very worrying because this feels like uh oh, let's try something. Let's try something because we can't just do this one thing because we're afraid of the reaction we're going to get. And again, worrying. I'll, I'll leave it to you for a bit because like composing my thoughts for this, it's difficult to explain 
but he went off on a fan. Yeah, yeah, he did. So AEW has consistently done a phenomenal job with the storytelling of Hangman Adam Page. Uh, from his characters to his trials to his victories and his failures and his growth as a person. Uh, as, a, as a person. And I commend them for that. But something I said a couple of minutes ago was AEW was good at telling these stories. Was good at long-term booking. Was good at, at letting things play out. I don't have that faith in them anymore. They've lost that. And now what I'm left with is what could be, very possibly could be a great story about Hangman being faced with his first big challenge since Kenny that's not just, you know, I'm Brian Brian Danielson, I'm the invader, I'm coming in and I'm just going to kick your ass because that's what I do. He's facing a guy now who fans will cheer maybe more than him, definitely some of them, and at best it will be a 50-50 split crowd, which has never been the case for him before, and that's fine. And seeing him lose his composure at it and maybe even even lashing out at the fans is not outside of the realm of possibility for the way a person would react when put in this situation. There is a really cool opportunity here for him to be doing what he's doing because in his head, in his heart, he goes, fine, I have to be the heel because they're not going to have me for this. The problem is twofold. One, I don't trust them anymore with that. I don't. I don't think that it's a situation where we can honestly believe that they'll pull that off. And two, I think the biggest part of that is missing. We have seen Stu leave the company. Uh, we saw uh, 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 John Silver cut a promo about his upcoming CM Punk match where he didn't mention the Dark Order, where he was wearing a John Silver shirt that, even though it had the colors, had no mention of the Dark Order. Have not and he seen, was alone. And he was alone. Have not seen them at all, really. The last time we saw the Dark Order was when Hangman blew them off. And it is really concerning to me because now the voice in his head, his conscience, the people who have taught him to believe in himself and to stay the course and to say, fuck fuck everyone else. You do you because that's what does it. You're a champion and they love you. Aren't there. So now I don't believe they can tell this story the right way. I don't believe they have the pieces to do it. And understanding that these are decisions they're making and not just unfortunate things that fell apart is a really good indicator that it's not the story they're telling. Which means, again, one of two things is happening here. Either they're telling a bad story that they can't resolve in a a safe, fulfilling way. And when I say safe, I mean safe to the characters involved. Or they are throwing out the most powerful thing that they have had going for them for the sake of either trying to push Adam Page into a, a tweener role. Tweeners are fine. They exist and sometimes can... Austin, right? But 
but he's not that guy. And nothing they've done to him up until this moment has made it even maybe considerable. Or they're making a decision that is going to fundamentally, and like they've already fundamentally changed the company, but is going to fundamentally send a message about what comes from here on out. And honestly, whereas before this week, where Hangman went off on a fan, not just went off on a fan, went off on a fan for being a fan. If CM Punk beats him, I'm not just going to be upset with the finish, but I'm going to be heartbroken and I'm going to feel betrayed by this company strictly, not because of the match, but because of the route that they're taking to get there. Because they will have shown us that they don't care about where they came from. They don't care about what got them here. They don't care about the amount of time that fans have spent investing in these characters. In that character, specifically. So there's no win here in my book. E either that's the outcome, and they will have burned me. Will I stop watching? Probably not. But I won't be rushing to my TV as much as I used to. I won't be as gung-ho, and I will never talk about how much uh, uh, this company means to me anymore, because that will be gone. Or they're going to find a way to resolve this in a, in a, a sort of paper-thin, meaningless way that ends with, well, he overcame CM Punk and just continues, what, being who? Because the character has always been so, so organic, and this wasn't that. This very specifically reminds me of, like, I, you know, we've, we've used the thing for, like, uh, that what Full Gear was the end. It was chapter one closed we're in chapter two or act two. Mm -hmm. This feels less like an act two and more like a sequel. Yes. But one of those sequels where it's like uh, for maybe this is a dated reference now, but like Alien 3 and where you have a, a very uh, I guess satisfactory ending to Aliens and then you start Alien 3 and go, oh, well, you know, everyone's dead from the end of the last movie, except for Ripley. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's the, oh, well, you know, that character that you invested a whole bunch into. Yeah. OK, cool. Like CM Punk joined the crew in Act 1 and then in Act 2. and OK, well, Hangman's gone. Now CM Punk's the main character. And that feels to some people that'll feel cheap because it's the well i was along for the ride because of this character not this character and yeah i love this character too but why'd you have to get rid of that one I'd, why'd you do it at the expense of that one and i still like i don't want to say i've lost faith but i i still think there are ways that you can tell this story and i will look and be like all right i'm i'm satisfied i i think that makes sense i think that's cool the worrying part, I think, is what, exactly what you were saying, though, that there are very few ways now in which that's the case. And I don't necessarily know if you're setting it up to do that or any of those very few ways, because there are way more ways that are not satisfying, that feel untrue and unfaithful to these characters. And 
when that happens that's when you walk in and you're like well you know i really liked aliens but alien 3 you know like i have issues with it and i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying like there's pieces of it that i say well why'd you do that you know i wish you didn't yeah absolutely absolutely i I couldn't have said it better myself it's definitely a wait and see approach i mean i said what i said and i stand by it but i'm hoping they'll prove me wrong it wouldn't be the first time yep yep uh with that yeah with that said there's one more thing that i want to bring up real quick so we're not ending on like a dour note Buckhausen. Yes, I had it in my notes. I was ready. I was like, I don't care. We're not going off without saying it. Yeah, very nice, very evil. The the budding relationship of these two, please. Because like uh, Danhausen doesn't seem to be associating with best friends anymore. Mm. Seems like they've gone very strictly back to the original three. We haven't seen Statlander in a while either. Yeah. So um, it's cool that Danhausen, it seems like he's getting back into the ring more, which is great. I know he was out injured for a while. Love that uh, Danhausen. And Hook, man. Hashtags and Hook. Seems like a good time to do our hashtags. Yeah, well, hashtag Ali is still getting work. Yeah. We've updated to hashtag Free Roddy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, hashtag Layla Hirsch is somewhere, but not on team Taz yet. So hopefully soon hashtag Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. So Cody Rhodes is doing something maybe wrong to Seth Rollins. And uh, yeah, the hashtags. Yeah. Good hashtag. And I think that's going to just about wrap us up for this week's episode of the sit down uh, closing thoughts. Well, we're going to talk about some, some interesting things on our next episode, right? Some stuff about, why we like the things we like in wrestling. Yeah, and yeah. I'm really excited that for that. It should be fun. It's just an episode of us kind of shooting the shit a little bit. And I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you are too. Yeah, very much. Uh, make sure you guys check that out. It should be up on Thursday. We're going to be talking about what we like about wrestling, why we like the people we like, and what that means. Uh, and, you know, let us know what you think because next week, probably be down to answer questions or deal with comments or concerns and we love that but for now uh that's gonna wrap us here thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the squared circle sit down uh we'll see you on thursday and remember spots are not a replacement for a personality